hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Seamless. So smooth. Art. Wow. No, truly, just art. Um, how, how are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. All right. Um, how are you? I am pretty good. Um, I've had like projects to work on this week. And so I had actually something to focus my mind on instead of just yeah. the abyss. Um, yeah. I put on right. makeup and a real bra twice this week. Girl. Um, I know. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have something that's challenging and that's like something that I'm working towards yeah. instead of just like, it's another Saturday always hanging out. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's been, you know, ups and downs, but I feel like more ups than downs this week. I started a new yeah. workout regimen and it is whooping my butt. I screamed a lot of expletives oh, yeah. at the TV today. So it helps me, you know, yep. if I can scream. Sounds it sounds nice. I mean, it sounds terrible, they, but I, when, I mean, when they make it sound like, oh, and then you just do this and then you do a burpee and then you do this and then you do another burpee and then you do this. It's like, fuck you. First yeah, of all, right off. Let's go fuck a quarter off. of this speed. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And do half as many burpees. Also burpees. Ugh. God, I hate them so much. I say this as though I ever do them. Sure, yeah. Because I do not. Well, you have an old lady knee, so you can't. I think that my... I was going to say, I think that my knees would disintegrate if I tried to do burpees. Yeah, I don't think that would go super well for you. I think that my knees and my back would just... Yeah, you also don't need to. Oh, burst my back. into dust. I did so many deep squats today that, like, obviously my legs and my butt hurt, but my back hurt. And I was like, that's too many squats. Wow. It's too many. That's so amazing. I better be able I to I wish I was shit half as motivated as you to find out. I hope so. There's only one way to find out. If you're listening, please volunteer to get the shit beat out of you by Reagan. You can't that fight back. That would be back. great. You just have to stand You there. can't fight back. And I'll just, yeah. I'll whoop your ass. <laughs> yeah. So kick the shit out of you. So and then I'll do a burpee all in the middle of it to show off. Your oh. inquiries to babetownpod <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, also, I ate a carrot before this. And I literally held it up and, like, cheers to Trevor's carrot. And I was like, to Taylor. And he just looked at me. He was like, so, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh you know. I Taylor love that. Carrot. And then I pulled up the Twitter feed. And showed him the lady. In the oh, I was gonna say shout out to shout out to Dylan for sending us some premium carrot memes, the, which I didn't know was a thing, but I'm sure know happy is a thing. What that Google search looked like? Excuse oh, me. What a sweet crisp crack. Um, Reagan, welcome to Babe Town. Oh, son of a bitch! I wish you could see the shit-eating grin on my face right now. <laughs> I can feel it. You because it is. Good. It Good. is shit and eating. <laughs> oh, man. I'm eating so much shit right now. 
Oh, no. You ruined it. This, this I think, is going to be our true insane quarantine podcast episode. I think we've reached it. We're five minutes in and we're talking about eating shit, so. Hey, it's no cat herpes. Don't get me wrong. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Babe Town. Uh, what was that, that sweet, sweet crack? Um, this sweet, sweet crack was the limited release Alaskan Hazy Bay Juicy IPA. Oof. Oof. It is delicious. I would love to put some of that in my mouth. So Trevor follows all of the Alaskan breweries on Instagram. Yeah. And I just miss all of the Alaskan food. And so I cannot tell you how many times a day he's like, oh, Anchorage Brewing Company just released something, 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 something. And they sold this many amount in this many hours. And I'm like, you know what I could go for? Fucking grilled cheese from Bread and Brew. Let's do this. I am drinking some boxed wine. You're drinking what? You cut out right when you said it. Oh, I'm drinking some boxed wine. Ooh, girl. Oh, man. Um, I was... I was telling, so we called Carson and his girlfriend the other day, and I was like, did you guys know that there are four bottles of wine in a boxed wine box? And they were like, yeah, it literally says that on the box. And I was like, oh, I guess it's because I always just yeah, throw away the box and drink bagged wine. <laughs> so I never read the box. My mistake. Yeah. It's four bottles, yeah. Dang. That's, that's why that's they so can last wine. me for so long. Well, they did before quarantine. Now they go significantly faster, but yeah, now that's it's like one a night, like one a month, because it was four freaking airtight bottles. Amazing. That's amazing. Really, whoever invented it, truly bravo. And I know that people made fun of you whenever you came up with the idea, and you persevered. And I appreciate your perseverance. And thank you. We thank you for it. You're Deeply. our babe this week. You are our babe. That's going to be my babe next week. Whoever invented this um, one. Whoever it was. <laughs> um, who, what, what year is your babe born? Well, Reagan? I'll tell you, Taylor. Uh, my babe, just an additional welcome to Babe Town I would love to extend to you. But my babe. I got it first. Just let it go. No. <laughs> it caught me so off guard. I'm furious. <laughs> whatever uh my babe was born in 1874 when was your babe born oh mine was born in 1893 so you are up first man i am swinging first every week lately we're we're pretty close lately we have have stuck close yeah oh i will say that um okay settle in yeah are you settled okay i'm so settled oh good okay i'm so i'm so glad just tiny cat might jump up at some point by the way I fully support Make a little squeaky noise. In her little squeaks. Um, Valkyrie is passed out next to me. So she might kick my Amazing. microphone. She might not. Who's to say, really? The codependency okay. between her and I has become real strong in the last month. <laughs> it's really bonkers. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> worse. Oh, no, totally. Although she does wake me up in the morning by either kicking my bladder or like pride rock stancing on my collarbone. And that doesn't feel great. 
Right. And she's yeah. 50 pounds. But. Right. Anyway, I love her and she's precious. Here we go. Taylor, have you heard the story of Catherine Wright? Uh, no. Wait. Wait. Maybe. (laughs) Everyone should. Every single person should. Great. I can't wait. You may know her name because she was the younger sister of Wilbur and Orville Wright. I cannot believe that you are doing this story right now. Yes! Because... Mine is also early aviation based. <laughs> yes. I can't believe that we accidentally themed this episode. We do it all the time. We're just simpatico, you know? I guess so. Tell me all about Catherine Wright. Okay, so Catherine Wright deserves so much more recognition than she ever got, but that's true of every babe. So she was born August 19th, 1874 in Dayton, Ohio, on her brother Orville's third birthday. They shared a birthday. Bummer. Big bummer. Uh, Random weird fact. Her dad didn't believe in middle names. He said children should have distinctive first names so that they didn't need middle names. So none of the right children have middle names. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. Um, Which Catherine, not the most distinctive, but it's spelled uniquely. And so that's how. Is it like, can I guess? Hang on. Can I guess? It's not like 2020 unique spelling. It's like, you know, 1874 unique spelling. Oh, damn it. Is it with a K? It is with a K. Is it with an E? No. Is it, is it no E? It's just like, it's not like a trying. K-A-T-H. It's, it's not how it would regularly be spelled. Like (laughs) It's an Cath- A instead of an E. Uh, Ren. Oh. Cath- oh, I meant an E at the end. Oh, this well, is yeah. There's, there's... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant like K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. No, there is an E at the end, but it's silent. <laughs> this is this is a hot steaming train wreck. <laughs> you know what? You sit down and eat your carrots. Okay, so Catherine... Whatever. It doesn't matter. Her name is cool right. and unique and distinctive. And she doesn't have a middle name. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to start off out the gate with a bummer. Uh, her mother died of tuberculosis in 1889, just a few months before she was 15, which because super cool, outdated gender roles, that made her woman and caretaker of the house, even though she was the youngest. She was the cool. only female, so they were like, well, you're in charge, because lady. Um, wow. So her father was a bishop and a respected leader of the Church of the United Brethren, um, which basically meant that he traveled a lot and spoke at different places and then depended on Catherine to run the household when he was gone, even though she was the youngest. It's fine. Um And then whenever he was back in town, he was hosting other deacons and bishops and other names of religious leaders. I don't know. Um, So then she was expected to be hostess for everything because it could not possibly fall on any of her brothers. 
Right. Why would it? Why would it? So she's the youngest of five. And Orville and Wilbur are the two brothers right above her. Um, and those three were like crazy close. Um, some people say it's because they were the youngest. I don't know. They were closest in age, so maybe. But some biographers speculate that those three siblings made a pact that none of them would ever marry anybody else, but they would all stay together. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But she had a whole bunch of suitors. It's, it's super creepy. That's super creepy. It's it's a bit much. If you <laughs> Which, like, if they're, like, six-year-olds, adorable. But as, like, late teens, early 20s, creepy. And, like, into adulthood. Yeah. yeah. Especially in that age where, yeah. like... You're expected to marry at that age. Yeah. Um, so she's super outgoing. She's the life of the party all the time and had a ton of suitors, but never married anybody until she was into her fifties. Um, wow. Yeah. Mainly because her father was sick. And so she, you know, cared for him on and off. Anytime any of her brothers got sick, she dropped everything and started caring for them. Like she was the caretaker. But her father felt strongly that after he passed on, she should have something to fall back on. And so he sent her to college and she was the only child of the right family to go to college, which is crazy. Um, wow. But she went to college for the only thing that women were allowed to professionally do at that time, which was be a teacher. Um, which side note, seeing all of the posts about people suddenly homeschooling and calling for teachers salary oh to be raised by like 50 billion dollars a week is my favorite thing yeah it's so good <laughs> it's so good uh but seriously give teachers raises okay <clears throat> so she goes to oberlin <laughs> college in ohio she is one of like so oberlin college itself was one of the first to accept women um which was why she chose it obviously but it was the first yeah. time she was actually living with other women for the first time in her life. I think I said the first time three times. It doesn't matter. Um, but thinking about that, like she came from a family of all men where she was in charge because her mother passed away early. And now she's living with only women for the first time in her life. And I imagine that that was just such an overload of both good and bad. Yeah. But just wow. Um, so she becomes besties with three other women and they become this little tight knit group of four that everybody knows about. Um, but she did make friends with some dudes. One dude in particular was named Henry Haskell. He was a mathematician, which was something she was struggling with. Same -sies. So he would tutor her. And that's like, you know, how they got all flirty dirty you know right uh it, yeah. is, it is said that he quote took his meals at Catherine's rooming house which sounds like turn of the century hot goss for they were seeing each the other. scandal yeah he took his meals right. um but she ended up getting engaged to another dude but then when he went away for med school their relationship fizzled and so that after a while they were like oh yes i can't wait to marry you 
And then Catherine was like, what if we don't? And he was like, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. That's that's a dope idea. Amazing. That's how you would want it to work out. Yeah, exactly. She literally it said she suggested they give up the engagement and he seemed relieved. <laughs> um, He's like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I yeah. didn't want to be the one to say it, but. Yeah, nobody does, but somebody needs to, you know. It's like when somebody has something in their teeth or they have really bad breath or they just stink. Like nobody wants to say anything, but somebody has to. Yeah, you have to. It's the same thing when you're engaged to somebody you don't want to marry. Have I told you about when my parents were driving to Denver and my mom hit a coyote? No. I told you about this. They were catching a flight out of Denver and they were driving and it was like the middle of the night and my mom hit a coyote and was like sobbing, like sobbing. And they, I don't know, like finally got to the airport and they got on their flight and they like flew. I think they were, I don't know, I don't remember where they were going, like maybe Seattle or something. And they like got to Seattle and my mom like got off the plane and like goes to the bathroom and she had mascara like all the way down her <gasps> face because she had been crying. And my yeah. dad just didn't want to tell her because he didn't want to make her cry more. And so she, oh no. She had oh, no. been on the whole flight and walked through two airports like that. And she was like, why did you not tell me? And he was like, I didn't want to make you upset. And she was like, okay, but now I've just looked like a crazy person yeah. wandering around. Also, I feel like that would pull me out of being upset more than like yeah. make me more upset. I'd be like, oh, okay. okay. And I'd like pull it together. I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying yeah. that maybe if I was ever actually in that situation and Trevor was like, hey, your face is covered in makeup. I'd be like, I don't need to hear that right now. No, no. I think my mom probably would have, you know, wanted to wipe off her face. I think. But I don't even. I don't even know that they were married yet. They might have just been dating when that happened. I mean, either way, there was one time that I asked Trevor, I was like, hey, is there anything in my teeth? And I made that crazy like her face when people are asking someone else to check their teeth. And he like looked at him and he was like, no, you're good. And I was like, awesome. And then, I don't know, two hours later, an obscene amount of time later, I went to the bathroom and I checked and there was this huge green piece of lettuce in my lower teeth. And I came back out and I was like, babe, (laughs) what the fuck? I thought you said there wasn't anything in my teeth. He was like, oh, well, I just checked the top ones. And I was like, no, no. Oh, my goodness. No. You have to check all of them. rookie move. That's why I'm making this weird snarl at you. You have to check all the teeth, top and bottom. Yep. Top and bottom. Now we've had that conversation and he knows to check all the teeth. There you go. Yeah. Uh, as for broken up engagements. <laughs> um, right. Right. Catherine never told her dad about it, but later she referred to it as quote, her narrow escape, which like, yeah, girl. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Cannot imagine. Uh, uh, but she was super dope at school. And she was leaning towards being a teacher of classic languages, mainly Latin and Greek, because she was dynamite at languages. Um, She graduated in 1898. She applied to a few different places, but finally became a substitute teacher in 1899, the same year that her brothers started their their aviation experiments. Okay, so just before 1900, they're starting to work it out. She, once she's back, she again becomes the head of the right household, but... Dis, like everybody else in the family was crazy shy and then here comes Catherine out of nowhere she came in like a wrecking ball you might say and 
I would say. Yeah, I would say. She was not having it and started having parties at the house all the time and forced her brothers to go. Very much like a you will go outside and have fun, damn it, situation. Um, And she, like, forced everyone to go on family bike rides. And I think it's hilarious that she was just, like, making everybody be out and be social. Um, Yeah, so good. Uh, uh, So she's teaching Latin, which was a required class for everyone in those days. Can you imagine if we were required to learn Latin? Um, Wow. How times have changed. How, and that is the biggest change of them all, let me tell you. That's it. That's the only change. That's the only change. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, it's exactly the same. So she has these boisterous boys in her class, but of course she's been in charge of all of her brothers for all of her life that she was younger than. So her natural bossiness came out and made her absolutely more than a match for teenage boys. She said, quote, I had five or six notoriously bad boys assigned to my room. I was ready for them and nipped their smartness in the bud. Ugh. I love it so much. I just, I wish I could have seen it. Anyway, so despite being an amazing teacher, the school's superintendent was struggling with the school's finances and decided that the best solution was to reduce the salary of all female teachers. Just the females. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but her brothers, Wilbur and Orville, had a bicycle shop that she managed on top of her teaching job, which, hilarious detail, bicycling at the time was considered a moral hazard, and I cannot figure out why for the life of me. I love that. What about bicycling is a moral hazard? I, A, love the phrase moral hazard. Oh, for sure. And B, I, I, I don't know. It's notorious. Maybe it's like innocent activities. So what about it? But maybe it's like you got something between your legs, right? Oh, yeah. Like a bike between your legs. Well, was it a moral hazard for dudes too or just ladies? That's a great question, Taylor. And judging by history as I know it, probably just ladies. Probably, yeah, probably, probably just ladies. <laughs> it's probably because they couldn't side saddle the bike. Right. And how dare something go between a woman's legs? You're right. You're right. You're right. That's got to be what it is, right? That's, yeah, it has I mean, to be what it is. It's, it's literally known as one of the most like innocent activities in the universe. Anyway. Yeah, unless you're, like, biking to a murder. Okay, who bikes to a murder? Right. No one does that. I'm just saying, that would be a way to make bicycling not innocent, is if you were biking to go murder somebody. That's all I'm saying. True. However, bicycle murderer is going to get caught immediately when they're trying to bike away really furiously, like, bring, bring. Like, no, that's not... Oh, that attitude, bud. Right. So, Catherine, Catherine Wright. Here we go. Catherine Wright. Catherine Wright. She's bicycling, and it's a moral hazard. Right. Okay. So, right. they're, her brothers are figuring out the whole flight deal. She was running the shop that funded their experiments and supplementing further income from her teaching job. 
And then she would also stop by their workshop and solve problems when they couldn't figure out a specific detail. They made it very clear in all of the research that the problems that she solved were not involved in the aerodynamics of things. She did not solve scientific problems. She solved other kinds of problems. And they repeated that a lot to make sure that everybody knows. Is that to make sure that she didn't get any credit? Yes. That they're the ones that did it, not yes. her? Yes. Those bitches. So no matter what problem she solved, we're pretty sure, we don't know what they are, but we're pretty sure none of them had anything to do with the science of flight or aerodynamics. Because as the only college-educated child in the family, she could not possibly know anything about the science of flight or aerodynamics when her brothers, who were not college-educated, clearly knew more. So once they did manage to achieve flight, she brings some fellow teachers to like watch and spread the word because she was like, hey, you guys are super shy, and that's great but you're going to need to talk to people about this because you did an incredible thing. Right. So during one demonstration flight, Orville and a passenger named Lieutenant Thomas Selfridge crashed. Orville survived, but Selfridge did not. He was the first um, casualty in flight. Uh, wow. Orville did break, it said some ribs. I don't know how many, but some ribs, his leg, and then concussed his spinal cord. So she immediately Ooh. left Dayton. I think he was in Washington, D.C. at the time. So she left Ohio and she went to like tend to him at his bedside until he was well. He later said that if he hadn't if she hadn't been there, he absolutely would have died. And I don't know if that's because of their weird connection sibling thing or if that's because she like nursed him back to health. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. uh, so then they succeed. I think it's like 1909 that they succeeded. Question mark. I should have written that down. That seems like an important detail. It doesn't matter. Um, so now they have to sell the idea of aircraft and two silent, awkward brothers are getting nowhere. So enter their vibrant social youngest sister. And she essentially became their executive everything. And then when they traveled to Europe to sell it abroad, she already knew, I think, Greek and Latin, but she then learned French so that she could communicate more efficiently overseas Honestly, without her, I really don't think it would have garnered as much attention as it did. But the people yeah. of France were completely dazzled by the demonstrations, but not so much by the brothers. It was mostly Catherine. And then after they returned, she intended to keep teaching, but the business for the flying machine kept drawing her away overseas. So ultimately she was like, they can't keep having a substitute teacher at my place. She resigned. So... 1912. Wow. Wilbur becomes super ill with typhoid and he would like it would come in waves. And so he'd kind of slightly come out of it for a time and then it would just sink deeper and then he'd come out a little bit and then go. And so it just like gradually got worse and worse. And then he died on May 30th, 1912. Catherine and Orville were completely shaken and they blamed his death on overwork because he spent most of his time in court defending the patent. Here's what happened. There was a dude named Curtis. And Curtis had worked for another guy that I forgot to write down his name. It doesn't matter. And the other guy was also working on a flying machine at the same time. Dude died before he ever had any successful flights. 
1914, two years after Wilbur died, Curtis, quote unquote, restored that dude's model that was made in 1903. And so the Smithsonian declared that that one was the first successful flying machine, even though it technically didn't fly until after the original inventor's death and after Curtis made over 20 modifications to it years after the Wright family's success. Wow. Yeah. So Catherine goes to battle with the Smithsonian to prove that theirs was first. And it becomes this whole back and forth thing. Basically, she and Orville quit their jobs and become full-time combatants against the Smithsonian trying to defend their legacy. It's a whole crazy thing. So on top of that, because she's not busy enough, she becomes the director of the Young Women's League of Dayton and is organizing rallies and marches for the suffragette movement. Because obviously. Um, Because why not? Because why not? Yeah. Uh, she was even present in the Senate when the bill was passed. And she wrote the sweet letter wow. to her dad about it. It was great. Um, in 1926, when she was 51, that's when she ended up getting married. And she ended up marrying the guy from college who, quote, took his meals at her rooming house, Henry Haskell. He had oh already been my married. Gosh, cute. And then, I know. He had already been married. His wife had passed away. And then they had reconnected and, like, sent letters back and forth. And then he told her he was in love with her. And she kind of had this moment of like, what? What? No, you can't. And then she realized that she had been in love with him, too. So they reconnect. They get married. It's the cutest thing in the world. Um, wow. So, of course, her brother Orville saw the marriage as a betrayal. In one of the Casual. articles, it cool, said. regular sibling things. Very regular. Very, very regular. One of the articles that I read was like. They were definitely, definitely not in a relationship together, but he saw this as her being unfaithful. Ew. That definitely sounds like they are in a relationship together. Yeah, it was not good. How, like, super codependent. (laughs) And he justified it as, like, well, she was his window to the social world. And I was like, yeah, but, I mean. But, like, also, like. Nope. That's not how that Go works. Go fucking talk to people. Yeah, so he saw right. it as her abandoning him, so he stopped talking to her. He literally cool treated move. her as though she were dead. And it was not until she was literally on her deathbed of pneumonia that her husband convinced Orville to come see her. Gross. Which is, I just, it's so gross and frustrating and horrible. Also, after everything she did for you, it's fine. Um, But yeah, Catherine Wright passed away on March 3rd, 1929. She was 54 years old. And that is the crazy story that nobody talks about of the Wright brothers' sister. Is that That's wild. Like, on one side, of course we didn't know that there was a woman involved in, like, why we have airplanes. Right. Right. But just, like, how dare they cut her out of this? It frustrates me so much. Um, That's so cool. I think it's really cool. I got the idea from a Dynamite Drunk History episode. It's Mm. just top-notch. And I did not write down the episode 
four season. So best of luck, everybody. You got this. It's but really it's good. out there. It's worth it. So just go Google it yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, that yeah. boop, Wikipedia, the website, rightbrothers.org. And then there was this really cool article on the place called Christie's.com. I could not find the uh, author. Maybe it was Christie. I don't know. But the article was called Catherine Wright, Aviation's Unsung Hero. And it had a bunch of photos of her writings and her letters to various people. It was really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And that's the story of Catherine Wright. Bada wow. bada Good one. Thanks, man. I'm going to settle in with my wine. All right. Yeah, you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Okay, so. This is the all Reagan. of the names? Um, yeah, she's got a lot of names. <laughs> okay, I'm so ready. Hit but me I'm going her. with my favorite because it's also my cat's name. Slash what everyone knew her as. Lurleen? Are you ready? Are I'm you ready. ready? I'm ready. Is it Greg? Oh my God, I'm too excited. I'm ready. Reagan, have you ever heard of Tiny Broadwick? <gasps> no. No, I have not. Oh, man. I can't wait to tell you about Tiny Broadwick. Please tell me. Because I love her. Okay. So, Tiny was born April 8th, 1893 in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, she was born as Georgia Ann Thompson. Sure. Is her actual name. Um, but she was nicknamed Tiny at birth because, unsurprisingly, she was a very small person. She weighed three pounds when she was born, and at her very tallest, she was five feet and 80 pounds. Oh, no. She's a tiny person. She's so tiny. So, so everyone called her Tiny. That's just from point forward, that's what we're going to call her because that is sure. all that she's known as. Um, so get ready for the most bummer sentence you're ever going to hear in your life. Boy. She got married at 12. Oh, had a no. daughter at 13. By the time she was 15, she was widowed and having to work 14-hour days in a mill to support her and her child. Oh, my God. Brutal. But then, from here out, it's all a great time. <laughs> so, <sighs> okay. We have one awful sentence, and then everything is really fun and kind of hilarious. Okay. So, 1907. She goes to the North Carolina State Fair and she sees this act called the Broadwicks and their famous French aeronauts. So these guys were led by a dude named Charles Broadwick um, and they would ride hot air balloons and then they would jump out of them with parachutes. Whoa. And that was the whole show. And like they all had like they all had like different characters and shit. So Tiny went and saw this at the State Fair and she was like, that's that's. I'm going to be that person. She was like, <laughs> this is me. She literally said, quote, I knew that's all I ever wanted to do. Oh, tiny. So, so after she sees them perform, she goes up to Charles Broadwick, the owner of the troupe, and she asks him if she can join up. And he agrees. Um, Tiny's mother, by the way, as a little aside, Tiny's mother agrees to let her join as long as she leaves her child with the parents so that they can watch over her. And as long as she, if she makes any money, she sends some back for the kid. And Tiny was like, deal okay so her first jump was in 1908 at the age of 15 oh my god she leapt out of a hot air balloon <laughs> and parachuted back down and oh, she fucking loved it 
loved it. So her size was an advantage, obviously. Um, and Charles Broadwick saw her size and was like, I know, we're going to make your character the doll girl. So he like dressed her up like a fucking doll and then she leapt out of hot air balloons because 1900s had zero entertainment. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like That sounds like one of my nightmares. Like none at all. There was no entertainment. Yeah. Yes. Tiny hated it. She hated the whole thing, but she loved jumping out of hot air balloons. Sure. She hated the name and she hated the costume and all of that. She was like, this is dog shit, but I love. But man, that adrenaline. Floating cloth. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Jumping out of an airplane sounds like my absolute worst nightmare. So I don't understand any part of it. it. Nope. I super want to do that. The the whole wicker basket with fire and cloth, that one I don't get. That it's it's insane that anybody voluntarily goes in a hot air balloon or an airplane for that matter. It's insane that that's a thing that people just do all the time. Anyway, this is a different. True. <laughs> this is yeah. a whole different rant of mine. Um, this is not a safe. So eventually, Charles. Taylor. <laughs> no, of course not. Eventually, Charles Broadick, um legally adopts Tiny with her father's consent, which is kind of weird. Um, because Tiny, like, wasn't an orphan. Like, her parents were, like, taking care of her kid. I definitely thought she was going to marry that dude. And he wasn't going to adopt her. No. Although, so there's, like, some, there's, like, some really, really vague references to the fact that, like, they might have had a relationship at some point. Because she was, like, with his troop for a really long time. But there wasn't anything actual in Mm. there, so I didn't put it in there. But, like, they definitely have some sort of kind of weird relationship, at the very least. Is it, like, a a weird. Catherine and her Um, brothers kind of thing? Kind of. Like, it's... Either way, it's a little weird. So, because, like, even if it's just him adopting her, like, she has parents. (laughs) But him and Tiny and her parents all agreed that if she was going to be traveling the country with this dude, that... Huh. In order for them to make any amount of money with it, it would it would be less sketchy if he just adopted her and made it easy to be like, yep, she's my kid. So, like, I think that's probably what happened, but nobody really thought of him as her father. It was more of, like, a formality Man, so that they the wouldn't be, are weird. so people wouldn't be like, why is this 15-year-old with this dude? So weird. <laughs> so, um, Tiny was obviously fearless. Um, she had so many fucked up jumps. So she ended up in her career jumping out of either a plane or a balloon over a thousand times. Damn. She made over a thousand jumps and she fucked up plenty of them. Um, Cause she was like kind <laughs> of one of the first people doing it. So she, at one point, like she landed on the back of a moving train. Ha- okay. Like what? Wouldn't that she break got tangled up in wires? Dude. So she got tangled up in wires. She, she ran into a windmill one time. <laughs> she like broke bones. She dislocated shoulders. She like fucked up her ankle all the time. I'm sure that but she like didn't give a shit. And traumatic, but just the idea. Can you imagine? I'm so in a parachute. Just like I'm picturing it as like the camera's just on them and they're just gliding and having the best Jumping. day. And it's so nice. Jumping from a hot air balloon. And then you just see their face like see something and they're like, oh no, oh oh no. And then they panic and oh. they panic. It's too late. And then it's a wide shot of them just like kabunk right into a windmill. <laughs> So 
So she was asked about all the times that she fucked up these jumps. And at one point she said, quote, if you landed in a tree, you were all right. But if you landed on a rooftop and rolled off, you were hurting. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, I land on all sorts of shit all the time. Like, and if you land point? on a moving train, you're Captain America. Next. So um, by 1912, though, business is starting to kind of uh, slow down because people are starting not to give a shit about hot air balloons because now airplanes are all the rage. So. Yep. Um, they start kind of going over to like barnstorming shows like um, Bessie Coleman did mm-hmm. around this same time, actually. Um, so by 1912, oh, I already said that JK Lowell, not that part. Um, so eventually <laughs> she's at one of these, these air shows in LA and she meets a dude named Glenn Martin, um, who was a famous stunt flyer. He was a plane manufacturer. Um, and she kind of like, forced her way into this meeting with him. And he immediately saw the same opportunity that Charles Broadwick did and asked Tiny if she would have any interest in jumping out of one of his planes rather than a hot air balloon. And she's like, hell fucking yeah. So <laughs> they they take this tiny person up into a plane, a like rickety ass early 1900s plane, and they fling her out of it. So, <laughs> just, okay. They just toss her right out. <laughs> so here's here's the other part of the story that's a little batshit crazy. So, when you're jumping out of hot air balloons, I have no idea how it works, but I do have some mechanism for how you would jump out of a plane in the early 1900s. Okay. So, they would have the parachute cord that pulls the parachute to make it like go. Mm-hmm. They would have it strung around part of the plane's fuselage so that it was pulled when you jumped out. So you weren't pulling your own parachute. You were literally pulling the parachute as you left the plane. Okay. Okay. Right. So which makes sense because the mind. planes weren't as high. And so you, they weren't as high. And also like they didn't have the, um, they didn't have the like big turbo jet things that could like suck in right. a parachute. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that makes sense. So, like, so so that was early parachuting. Is It was attached to the plane. That's how you parachute it out, right? So keep yeah. that in mind for later. Got it. Okay. So um, this design, by the way, was uh, Charles Broadwick came up with it. Hmm. So he attaches this to the plane. And on June 21st, 1913, Tiny Broadwick becomes two things. First, she becomes the first woman to parachute out of an airplane. And second, she becomes super fucking popular, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the most popular thing that you could ever picture. Like everybody is obsessed with her. So um, the next year, World War One is kicking off overseas. Mm. So the army, knock, 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 comes and hits up Tiny and they're like, hey, listen, here's the deal. We're losing a shitload of pilots because they can't bail out of their airplane because they don't have parachutes because they have to be attached to the airplane first. So, like, can you give us a demonstration on how we would eject from a plane so that our pilots have some chance of actually surviving when they're in these, like, dogfights, right? So Tiny's like, yeah, okay, I can show you guys how to do this. I can, this small woman, show, like, all of these fucking dudes how to jump out of planes, right? I imagine there were plenty of army dudes that were real salty about it, and I love to picture that. Because she, wait, so she's five foot. 100 yeah. pounds. Yeah, not even 100 pounds. 
yeah, she, I mean, she's just a real small person. <laughs> and she's, like, got this cute little bob, because it's, like, the early 1900s. She's got this, like, yeah. little bob. She's the best. I love I, it. Okay, carry on. I love it. So, so she does four jumps during the demonstration for the army. The first three go great, but then we know our girl Tiny. Something went wrong on the last one. Oh boy. So on the last one, her parachute cord got tangled up in the tail of the plane when she jumped out. Oh. Um, and she started free falling. It flipped her so that she was then just kind of tumbling through the air, um, which apparently is very, very dangerous because you can't right yourself because like you're just free falling, which is horrifyingly disgusting to me, but it's fine. It's great. All of it's great. People do this for fun and I really understand it. So, um, very believable. You're nailing it. So I wrote, instead of being me and shitting her pants, she cuts away (laughs) most of the line. Um, she like super stays calm. She's just plummeting through the air towards the fucking ground and just like stays super calm. She cuts away most of the line and then she pulls out one small piece and pulls it herself and it makes a parachute go. So yeah. in free falling, Tiny Broadwick invents the ripcord. Dude. She is the first person, male or female, to survive a planned free fall because she Dude. accidentally invented the ripcord. Amazing. Man. So Tiny accidentally doing this gave pilots in war the option of bailing from their planes if they needed to, since the line no longer needed to be attached to the plane. Dude. So Tiny Broadwick accidentally saved like a shitload of pilots. So because of that, she goes on to serve as an advisor for the Army Air Corps during the war. Um, in 1922, Tiny jumped her final jump. Don't worry, she's fine and alive. She retired from parachuting at the ripe old age of 29 because of her chronic problems with her ankles. She couldn't land anymore. Well, yeah, landing sucks. on moving trains will do that. It'll do that. So, um, obviously, she was pretty bummed. She said, quote, I breathe so much better up there, and it's so peaceful being that near to God. Like, this this sweet babe. So, um, during World War II, Tiny went around and visited military bases and would bring along some of her old-school parachutes as a kind of way to telling the guys, like, hey, if I can jump out of a plane with this shit, you guys can definitely jump out of planes now. Like, Yeah. yeah, if I can do it, you guys can do it. So, she would just bring these old parachutes that she used and... Be like, yeah, you guys can do this. It's fine. It's not a big deal. I love so her. Good. So, um, so as a fun fact, the first parachute that she used for that army demonstration is now in the Smithsonian. So you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout her life, Tiny received many awards, which included the Government Pioneer Aviation Award, the Gold Wings of the Adventurers Club, and she was made an honorary member of the 82nd Airborne Division of Fort Bragg, which is pretty cool. So when Tiny donated her parachute to the National Air Museum at something called the Tiny Broadwick Dinner, which is very cute to me, um, the director of the National Air Museum, a man named Philip Hopkins, said, quote, measured in feet and inches, her nickname Tiny is obviously appropriate. Measured by her courage and by her accomplishment, she stands tall among her colleagues, the pioneers of flight. And her contributions to flight history have helped make America stand tall as the nation which gave wings to the world. Dude. Tiny Broadwick did that. Dude. Am I good? That's so um, good. So Tiny um, never had any other children, but um, her daughter, Verla, 
is her daughter's name, Mm -hmm. um, had six kids and then Tiny's grandkids had multiple kids and then her great grandkids had multiple kids. So Tiny lived to be a great, great grandmother, which is pretty fun. Um, Tiny Broadwick died in 1978 at the age of 85. Damn. And that is the story of Tiny Broadwick. That's so cool. Yeah. So uh, to source my shit real quick, it's Mm -hmm. short because there were a couple of great articles. Um, There's a website that is like maybe the worst website I've ever seen in my life. That's called parachutehistory.com. And it's got a lot of great information about Tiny. Um, I mean, worst in that it looks like it was made in 1992 and has not been updated. Sure. Which I like. Um, Airandspace.smithsonian.edu. Mm-hmm. Um, the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, otherwise known as, has a great article that doesn't have an author. It's just mm-hmm. Smithsonian. It's called Georgia Tiny Broadwick's Parachute. And then there is an article on something called patch.com called The Fascinating Life of Georgia Tiny Broadwick, America's First Lady of Parachuting. And that one's written by Tom Burke. Wow. That's really cool. And that's Tiny Broadwick. That's really cool. Right? <laughs> uh, I love her. Yeah, big fan of that lady. Wow. Um, who is your babe this week? Well, continuing our pattern... Um, it's Trevor. <laughs> Great. Um, I have I been it. very lucky this week to have three different projects to be working on. And so I've been working on various scenes and one monologue for a bunch of self tapes. And sweet, sweet Trevor is my line buddy for everything. Um, and then when it comes to. I love a good line buddy. Oh, yeah. And he's very much a stickler about, like, it has to be word perfect. If I'm doing it and I'm like, you know, he he said, no, it's okay, or something like that. And it's one word off. He'll be like, no, actually, it's, he said, no, really, it's okay. He'll be like, okay, all right. I need you to dial it back. Um, but no, it's it's super duper helpful. Um, as frustrating as it is at times. Um, and now he's getting super into being my reader on the other side of the camera. Um, I probably, we're probably going to do like a spoof video. Um, not a spoof, but you know how people are posting like what it's like when one significant other is working and the other one isn't. Yes. Have you seen any of those? (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to do that with like, what it's like having your significant other read for yourself tapes when they're not an actor because he wants to do all these like really dramatic voices for everything. And I'm like, no, I, I really just need you to read it. Just read it flat. Like just read it like a normal person. And he's like, but why can't I be like, mercy? He always thought that she'd be here. See? I'm like, no, absolutely not. He's like, okay, so this character is a lady. So should I read it like a Monty Python lady where I'm like oh it says here were you like yes I was absolutely like, later we can do that take later but were right like, now yes, I please do that <laughs> I was presenting one of my self tapes in class today and he was like hey what did he what did he say about my performance and I was like ah oh, no no notes for you I'm so sorry I was like oh, I knew I should have done the voice <laughs> 
So it's been really delightful and I'm, it's making work and something that I'm like excited to work on, but nervous to work on. It's easing my nerves about it, you know? So it's yeah. just been, it's just been fun instead of like, Oh, I'm not ready for this. So yeah. Sweet, sweet Trevor's my babe. Nice. How about you? Um, I think that my babe has to be a joint babe of sure. Jill and Joanna. Yeah. Um, and you actually, <laughs> because, because so this weekend was very hard for a lot of different reasons, not all of which I'm super ready to talk about on the podcast yet. I do want to chat about it, but um, I think not yet. And um, anyway, when, when I when I got some pretty shitty news, I was on the phone with Jill and Joanna. And they were so great and helped to distract me for a little bit because I didn't I didn't want to hang up because then that's all I was going to be thinking about that night. And so I wanted a distraction for a while. And um, while we were on the phone, it was just so great. And they were so understanding and wonderful. And then like immediately we just swapped back to whatever conversation we had been having. Cause I was, I told them, I like, Hey, I, this is not a thing where like, I need to go. Like if anything, let's please keep this going for as long as possible. And like we did, we talked for like almost five hours, like just Dang, hanging out on the phone awesome. for a long time. And it was so nice and useful. And then the next day I called you and you were so like, I hate feelings and I had a lot of them this weekend. And um, literally the three of you guys are the only people that even know because I hate, I hate talking about it. And like, um, I think all of you guys were, are my babes because that, that I hate it anyway. Yeah. Definitely all of you gals are my babe. I'm glad that I was able to help, but I love you. And I am sorry that you felt feelings that you didn't want to feel, but... Oh, my God. So many of them. Feelings can be good. I'm glad I'm part of your babes. Always. I feel so proud. Always, always. Dang, dude. I'm glad we did this today. Me too. This was very nice. This was a very nice way to end my day. I'm going to go inhale some pizza. Oh, you do. I guess it's technically flatbread. Well, I ate two pieces of it, but there are six pieces of it. Okay, yeah, go eat so much more. I will. Also, I love you. I love you. I love this. love this. In a big, big way. Yep. If anybody is still listening, please go follow us on the things. Yeah. And make sure that you rate and review us and subscribe to us, because it would help us a lot. So, yeah, we're at Baytown Pod on literally everything, so Mm -hmm. it's easy to find us mm-hmm. wherever you are looking for us. We're mm-hmm. omnipotent. We appreciate you extremely. I am sure that I'll talk to you multiple times this week. <laughs> Absolutely. Already stoked for them. Me too, bud. I love you. Okay. I love you. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.